Well, good evening. My name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the pastors here at Soul City Church. And as Jeannie just mentioned a second ago, we've actually been in a six-week series where we've been asking God to awaken things in our lives. We started a new year about six weeks ago. I'm not sure if you remember that or not. But we have been in a new year, and so we've been saying, God, what is it that you want to awaken in us? What is it that you want to open our eyes to, open our hearts to? And more specifically, God, what do you want to align our lives around? What is something maybe that we missed and, and, and didn't know about, or maybe something inside of us that died a long time ago that God wants to awaken, to stir up, to make new, to bring back to life? And so as we've been sort of going through this series together, we've been teaching from various different passages uh, in the Bible, but there's been one passage that's rooted our time together over the last six weeks, and we've actually asked as a church that we would commit it to memory, that you'd memorize it so that these words would come back and actually give wisdom and guidance to your life throughout the week, wherever you may find yourself. So we're going to actually read that passage now. It's from the prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament. And if it's your first time here, first time seeing it, read along with us. If you've been kind of tracking along and have memorized it, this is your time to showboat. Close your eyes. Make sure that people around you see that your eyes are closed. And then we're actually going to say this verse out loud together. So can we read this promise from God's word that applies to us here tonight? Let's read this together. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Listen, I think that what is true for every single one of us, no matter where we're at on the spiritual spectrum, is this. There are moments in our life, moments in our life, maybe even seasons in our life, where we have wandered from God. I think if we were to be honest, there are moments in our lives where at best we have wandered away from God. At worst, maybe we've wasted. I think every single one of us will look at times in our past and say, I wish I would have. I wish I would have known this. I wish I would have done this. I wish this wouldn't have happened like it did. And what I want you to hear from God's word tonight, and specifically what we're going to be teaching through together, is this. That is a former thing. It's true. It may have very real consequences on your life today, but God wants to do a new thing. God wants to actually awaken something in your life that despite the wasted moments or the wandering moments, there is an actual opportunity, an invitation from God to live into a greater purpose and design that God desires for your life. And it can begin today. It literally can begin today. Forget the former things. Do not get stuck on your past. God is doing a new thing that he wants to awaken in you, a greater purpose that we're going to look to God's word and we're going to seek to have him apply to our lives together tonight. So would you do this? Would you grab a Bible? Actually, if you brought one, pull it out. It's going to be a minute till we get to it, but I want you to know we are going to get to it. So if you would, if you don't have one with you, that's okay. You don't have it on your phone. There's a blue Bible. It should be in the seat back or right underneath your seat. Would you grab that? We say this every week in church. We really do want you to open this up because we want you to determine for yourself what you determine to be true about God based on the teachings from this book. And so if you don't own a Bible and you're serious about exploring who God is, here's the thing. We say it every week, but we're so serious about it. Would you please steal a Bible from church tonight? Like the best thing you can do tonight is steal a Bible from church and it would be our joy for you to steal it. We would love for you to take it that seriously that you would explore this truth yourself. So hold on to this. Would you grab a pen as well? We're going to be writing some things down. We're going to be circling some things. Would you, while you're grabbing your pen and getting your Bible, what I'd love to do is pray for the direction of our time and then we'll get into it. Let's pray together right now. God, we ask very clearly, very openly that you would awaken in us. 
a greater sense of purpose and meaning and direction for our lives. That we would not stay stuck in the past. That we would not waste or wander a minute. But that we would seek you. And I pray tonight, God, that we would not only find you, but that you'd help us to follow you. We ask, God, that you would do this, you would awaken this in us, we pray, in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, what I'm going to have you do here in a second is I'm actually going to have you turn and talk to the person next to you. I want you to ask them a question. Now, the reason I'm telling you that is because introverts tend to freak out at this moment in the service. So I'm letting introverts know now, this is your warning shot, that you're going to have to talk to someone in a little bit. So get your brown paper bag and start breathing into it, whatever you have to do to be ready, because I really do want everyone to talk to someone, okay? Here's the question, and it's really simple. Anyone can answer this question. No wrong answer on this. When you were a kid, when you were like a little kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Okay, I want you to think back to when you were five, four, whatever years old, six years old, and when you remember that, go back to that little you, what did little you think big you was going to be one day? All right? So here's what I want you to do. Turn to the person next to you, everyone talk to someone, find out their name, what was it that you wanted to be when you were little? All right? Got it? Take about like, I don't know, 68 seconds to answer that one. Go for it. All right, take like 10 more seconds, wrap that up. Very good. All right, good. I'm not going to ask how many of you are actually doing what you thought you were going to do when you were a little kid. I'll just share with you what our little kids, Jeannie mentioned, our daughter Gigi, she's four, our son Elijah's seven. Uh, they, honestly, every week it's a new thing that they want to be when they grow up. And it's always epic sort of swings from one thing to the next, whatever kind of has their attention, that's what they want to be. So currently, our four-year-old Gigi currently wants to be a combination singer, dancer, veterinarian, princess. <laughs> You know, I'm like, you go with that, Jeej. You find that path in life. You absolutely do that. So that's her. She's all just in the moment and everything that's happening, that's all her. Her older brother, our son Elijah, is a little bit more serious and thoughtful about these kinds of things. And so he really thinks about it. And currently, Elijah has a much more sort of practical path for his life. He wants to be an inventor ninja who owns a hot dog shop. <laughs> True story. And I look at that and I go, that's marketable. You actually, we have... We have, people will pay for those hot dogs, son. And he's got ideas for hot dogs. I'm like, I like how you're thinking. It is really, really, really cute when a four-year-old and a seven-year-old are just sort of wildly throwing darts at what they want to be when they grow up. It's really, really cute for a four- and, and seven-year-old to do that. I've come to find out it's not as cute when you're 20 <laughs> or 30 or 50 or 60 to get on and go on in life and to not know what you're supposed to do with this one and only life that you have. It's not as cute. In fact, it can be downright frustrating. In fact, at times it can even be defeating to walk through this life and not know where you're going and not know what it's all about. I think the honest truth for all of us is at some level, we ask those questions, those deeper questions. What am I to do with this one life that I have? Now, some of us just sort of fly past those questions and don't give them much time. Others of us obsess on them to the point of it being debilitating. But I think the question is important because it speaks to sort of a greater purpose for our lives. In fact, for the sake of our conversation, our time together here this weekend, I think the question might be best asked this way for the context of where we're going in God's word tonight. What do you think God has created you to do with who God has created you to be? 
That question may be a good one for you to start to reflect on. What, what has God created me to do with who God's created me to be? What has God created me to, to do in this world, to be a part of in this world, to take part in with him in this world, based on coming out of who he's created me to be? Last week, we talked about awakening to our spiritual gifts. And so many of you took the online assessment for your spiritual gifts and kind of figured it out or figured out what that means. I'd encourage you to do that if you haven't done so yet. And starting to discover and get glimpses, hey, maybe this is part of what God wants me to do in this world and it's gonna come out of who he's created me to be. This is an important question to ask, whether you're fresh into your career or fresh into retirement. The question's just as relevant. What do you think God wants you to do? What has he made you to do based on who he's made you to be? Now, the first time I sort of bumped into this question and even a glimpse of what that might be for my life, I didn't have this kind of language for it. I was 19 years old, and I shared a little bit just of the story last week. I was actually helping out with the church youth group at the church I actually grew up at. In fact, I was leading the, the middle school ministry at the church that I'd grown up at. In fact, the leaders and volunteers that volunteered with me were my middle school leaders when I was in middle school. So we had to have some relational dynamic conversations when I started leading them. Very different turn of events for them. So here we are leading this middle school, junior high ministry together. I'm 19. I barely know what I'm doing in life, let alone what I'm doing for these middles. I'm barely not a middle school student at this point, okay? And I've been entrusted to lead them. And so here I am leading them. And, and what we end up doing is every summer we would go to a camp. In fact, it was a camp in Northern California that I grew up going to my whole life. In fact, I'd go there for winter camp. I'd go there for father and son fisher camp, fisherman's camp. And I'd go there for summer camp. The camp's called Hume Lake Christian Camp. And it's up in Northern California. And I want to show you a picture of Hume Lake right now. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, I used to live by there, okay? And so here we are, and for the first time in my life, I felt for the very first time at that camp, God was speaking into a calling for my life. Now, when you look at that picture, it's hard not to hear from God in this setting, isn't it? But there I was leading a bunch of middle school students, not far from where this picture was taken. I'm sitting on a rock. I'm thinking about kind of my life. I'm watching what God's doing. And I don't know how to describe it to you other than I felt like I heard God's voice. Somewhere in my soul, I heard something speak that wasn't me. And it said these simple words that I still remember all these years later. This is what I've created you for. Those are the exact words. This is what I've created you for. And at the time, I just assumed middle schoolers, you know, like, okay, that's awesome. I'm, like I said, barely not one myself. And so, God, if this is part of what you want me to do, again, I didn't have this language, but part of what you want me to do based on who you've created me to be, I need to change the trajectory of my life. What it meant for me in that moment was I was kind of going down a path to be an educator that was what was part of what my family did. My grandmother was an educator. My mother was an educator. My father was a used car salesman. So I was going to be an educator. I had to, that seemed pretty clear to me. Legacy. And so I said, God, I think, you, I think you're right. I think this is what you've created me to do. Little did I know at that moment the bigger story that God was writing because that decision to say, okay, God, if this is a part of what you're inviting, this greater purpose for my life, then I need to do something about that. I left the school that I was at to attend a Bible college so I could learn more about how to do this kind of stuff, which led us to a church that we would eventually become a part of and work at for 11 years here in the suburbs. 
which eventually would lead to taking a position at another church in Atlanta, which is eventually where God gave us the vision for this church. And all along the way, I started doing middle school ministry so many years ago. And here's what's so beautiful. Now there are adults that are part of our church that were middle school students when I first heard God speak into the purpose for my life those many years ago. See, I had no idea. I didn't have any clue what was happening, but God was sort of working out a greater purpose for my life. The Bible has a word for this that appears again and again and again throughout the scriptures. And we'll look at kind of the two contexts in which it appears together tonight. But that word is, and maybe you've heard it, I just mentioned it a minute ago, that word is calling. What was happening to me on that rock not far from where that picture was taken was God was giving me a calling for my life to do this, to give my life to the local church and to do the best that I could to help move the story and the love of God forward in this generation and the generation beyond. I had no idea the full scope of that, but what God was doing in that moment was giving me a calling. That word appears again and again in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. The problem is the word is clear in the Bible. It's Christians who've messed it up and who've misused at times that word, or misapplied that word, or used sort of calling as a way to sort of put an artificial seal or stamp from God on what it is that they want to do with their lives, or what they don't feel like they want to do with their lives. In fact, when we were down in Atlanta, I worked with a friend who was single, and we worked in a big sort of singles ministry, and we did, you know, lots of big sort of single events, and at one of these events, a, a guy that she knew came up to her very clearly, clear as day, walked right up to her and said, God is calling me to date you. <laughs> True story. And without missing a beat, she said, well, God clearly dialed the wrong number. And I was like, oh, snap. Like, I could not believe. That was like, I was like, I couldn't have come up with that. That's amazing. That is amazing. God has called you to say those comebacks. I was so impressed. We've messed up the word. We've misapplied it. But it remains all throughout God's word, throughout the Bible. This idea of calling, God speaking into the greater purpose and direction for our life. For our time together tonight, let's, let's kind of work off the same uh, working definition. You might want to jot this down to understand a little bit more, because it's a big word that can be maybe misunderstood. It certainly has been misused and applied. A calling, simply put, is this. A calling is a God-given vision matched with God-driven gifts. This is what we talked about last week, about awakening to our spiritual gifts, awakening to what God supernaturally does through what you would supernaturally do. So it's a God-given vision that comes from God. It's what happened to me on that rock. I saw something that I hadn't seen before. Oh, wait a second. This might be what God would want me to do with my life, matched with God-driven spiritual gifts that he has given you, that he's given to every follower of Jesus that get activated when we enter into a relationship with Jesus and are empowered by the Holy Spirit to meet a God-sized need. That's simply put what a calling is. It's a God-given vision. It comes from God. It's not something we could conjure up on our own. Matched with God-driven spiritual gifts. You could not simply do it on your own, but when God is empowered and using your spiritual gifts, things begin to happen to meet a God-sized need that God is ready to meet, but for some reason longs to involve and include ordinary, everyday people like you and me. That's what a calling is. And it appears two different ways throughout the Bible. We're going to kind of camp out on one a little longer than the other. But there's two ways that a calling appears throughout the Old Testament 
and throughout the New Testament. The first way is this. this might, you might want to jot this down because it could help in sort of understanding some of this language. There is a sort of universal calling for every follower of Jesus. So there's a univer- there are things that are universal callings for every follower of Jesus. So anyone who's in relationship with Jesus, anyone who's dedicated their life to following him, who's chosen him to be their savior and their Lord, there are some things that all of us who would say that that is us have in common as a calling. There are universal callings for every follower of Jesus. They would be things like, and you might be familiar with this, to be a light in darkness. That's a calling that everyone who's a follower of Jesus would share. You are called, invited by God to be a light in darkness. That means when you go to work, there is a calling to your work. It's to be a light in darkness. That when you go home or you're with family or you're with friends and there is places that are, are maybe far from God or have not heard about God's love, you are called, there's a universal calling for every follower of Jesus called to be a light in darkness. You are called directly from Jesus to go into this world and make disciples. Jesus was very clear about that before he left earth. He said, listen, you go. Don't stay stuck in a church. Get out. Go and make disciples. Disciples is another word for followers. So the invitation, the calling for every, a universal calling for every believer or follower of Jesus is to help make others better followers of Jesus as you are becoming a better follower of Jesus. That's why our mission for transformation is so central to what we do here. We want to help make better followers of Jesus, help people grow in their relationship with him. That's a universal calling for every follower of Jesus. There's a universal calling for every follower of Jesus to notice, to love, to care for the poor, the oppressed, the overlooked. This isn't debatable. This is part of our shared calling in this world that we all have, all of us. No matter how long you've been a Christian, no matter how short you've been a Christian, whatever the story may be, there are things that are very, very, very clear that are laid out that are part of our unique calling in this world. So there is a universal calling for every follower of Jesus. Does that make sense? These things that sort of apply to all of us. Is that clear? Then though, the Bible gives us examples of personal callings for each follower of Jesus. There's a difference. There are universal callings for every follower of Jesus, but personal callings for each follower of Jesus, meaning there are specific things at specific seasons or times or reasons known to God that he calls you and I to do that are unique and specific to you. These appear again and again and again throughout the Bible. And let me just say a word to anyone who's here tonight or who's watching online or listening to this that would not, you wouldn't call yourself a Christian yet. You're investigating, that's why you're here. Maybe a friend dragged you or whatever the reason. I just want to let you know, this is, this is good stuff for you to listen in on because I really think this kind of stuff is the dividing line between people who are really truly committed to following Jesus and people who are just sort of going the way of religion. It's people who say, no, I believe that God has a greater purpose in my life than just my life, than just me. 
And so this is very important stuff. And I believe, honestly, that if you were to wrestle with these truths as well, I believe by asking these questions, God, could it be that you have actually created me to do something based on who you've created me to be? I think those kinds of questions will take you closer and closer and closer to understanding not only who God is, but get this, who he's created you to be. That's very important that you're a part of this conversation with us here tonight. So there are these callings universally for every believer, and then there are these calling specifically, personally, for each believer. I want to just highlight a few that appear throughout the scriptures. You do not need to turn to all these passages. We are going to be flying through these, but you might want to jot some of these down because they paint a picture of these sort of specific personal callings to each follower of God throughout the Bible. Abraham, hello, Abraham is actually given a very specific calling in Genesis 12 to father, to birth a nation. Go figure out what that means, Abraham. God says, your offspring are going to multiply and multiply and multiply like the sands in the desert. And your offspring will be a blessing to the world. He received a very clear calling, very specific to him. Moses, if you know or are familiar with the story of Moses or you've seen the cartoon, you know Moses received a calling at a burning bush, didn't he? And he wrestled with it. God said, Moses, I have a calling for your life. You are going to literally rescue, lead a nation out of captivity. You're going to lead a nation out of captivity. That was very specific to him. Moses said, no, 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 I can't do it. God said, look, I am going to provide it for you. I am the one that is not only going with you, but I will be for you as you go and do this. Deborah. Deborah was one of the judges that ruled over the people of Israel where women didn't typically hold that level of leadership and authority. God says, Deborah, I have a calling for your life. I have a calling for your life. And she led the people of God well. Nehemiah had a calling for his life to literally rebuild a nation by starting by rebuilding the city of Jerusalem. The city was in ruins, and Nehemiah looked and saw it and had a very clear God-given vision matched with his own God-driven gifts and abilities to meet a God-sized need of repairing a city which would ultimately repair a nation and restore the identity of a nation. Jonah. Jonah received a very clear calling to share God's love and salvation and redemption, even in the Old Testament, for a people who hated God. It was very specific, his calling. Mary was given the calling to birth the savior of the world. And as a teenage girl, her response was, here I am, I'm your servant, Lord, whatever you ask of me, I will do what you've created me to do. John the baptizer, the cousin of Jesus, had a very clear calling. He knew that it was his mission, his calling in life, to help people get ready for Jesus to do whatever he could with his life to make sure people were ready for the coming of Jesus. And then the Apostle Paul wrote about half the New Testament, had a very clear calling from God to go and share God's love, to preach to the Gentiles, to the rest of the world. And in many ways, we are here today as a church because of him being faithful to the calling that God had put on his life. These are very specific, personal callings that God gives to each and every follower of his. This is very important stuff for us to wrestle with, that there is a purpose. God has a purpose for your life. And, and it's not meant to be some great mystery that you have to sort of wait for and wrestle with. 
not, that's not the pattern throughout the Bible, but it is meant to be a thing of great faith that requires you to depend on God and to trust God maybe like you never have before in your life. Listen, God knows you enough and loves you enough to give you a greater purpose for your life than to just sort of stumble and fumble and wander your way through. He's inviting you and he's awakening you to what that might be, even tonight. Now, sometimes these specific sort of personal callings can become sort of life-consuming and, and change the trajectory of your life. Totally possible. Lots of times they don't. They're, sometimes they're just for a season. This is a very specific, maybe you'd use the word small thing for a season. It may be as, as simple as I feel called by God in this season to really love my parents through this next chapter of their life. I feel called in, in, in this season right now to be the best mom or to be the best dad that I possibly can be. And I'm going to put that as a priority above myself because I feel like it's a unique calling that God has put into my life. It can seem sort of very small maybe on the surface, but it's not small to God. It's incredibly significant. And so sometimes it can last for a long time. Sometimes it's a very short, just for a season. Sometimes the calling, the specific callings that God puts on your life align with your career. Now, I'm not talking about your sort of universal calling that God has put on every believer. Those go with you to work every day, no matter what, to be a light in darkness, to go and make disciples, to do your work as unto the Lord. That is a calling of every follower of Jesus, no matter where you work. But sometimes these specific personal callings that God has actually align with our work. That's a fantastic thing. Sometimes they don't. Just as fantastic of a thing. Because your work now has purpose. Not only to honor God and how you work, but to provide a way for you to continue to live out that specific calling that God has on your life and for your life. Sometimes our callings are something that we share with others. And for whatever reasons, God brings around you some people who share that same God-given vision. And you look around the circle and go, wow, we all see the same thing and care about the same thing. And God's gifted you to do this and God's gifted you to do that. That is a powerful and beautiful thing. And as you align together, you realize you can accomplish much for God in this world. But then there's other times where your specific calling that God has for your life has you going at it alone. And it, it can feel like a burden because you go, man, is, it, is anyone with me on this one? Who's coming with me? And not only does it feel like no one's with you, it feels like at times people are actually against you. But you know in your heart, no, God, I believe that you have created me to do this thing. And so I won't stop. I can't stop. I will move forward because I know, God, that I'm not alone. You are not only with me, but you are for me. Sometimes our callings send us, our specific, unique callings that God has for each of our lives, send us to new places. Send us on big adventures. Send us around the world or send us to another city and you listen to God and say, I can't explain this, but I really believe that God has called me to do this thing and it aligns with the gifts he's given me to, to solve this and be a part of you know, this God-sized need. And so that means I have to move. And we've had to do that before in our lives. I've had to do that a couple times. It's a hard thing, but there's a sort of peace that comes because you know that even while it's difficult, not easy, it's the right thing that God is leading you to do. And then there's other times where the call 
callings that God specifically, personally has on your life compels you to stay where you are and to put in roots. And that may be the hardest thing in the world for you. But God is saying, no, 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 no. Look around you. I have put you here for a reason. There is a purpose to your place and a purpose to the people I've put in your life. And the greatest way you can respond to me and follow this specific calling that I've put on your life for this specific moment is to stay. Is to stay. Have you ever stopped and thought about what that specific personal calling might be on your life right now? Maybe you know. And you're doing the best you can to try and figure it out and to live it out and understand it more. But maybe you don't. That's a lot of us trying to figure out What does it mean? What would God have me do right now with who he's created me to be? Again, I don't believe this is supposed to be some great mystery that's supposed to cause us to become anxious over it. I believe that it begins to flow naturally out of just listening to God and looking at what's right in front of us. Listening to God and looking at what he's put right in front of us. In fact, here's what I want you to do just for a second. I want you to actually look around you at the pillars in this room. So would you kind of look around at these pillars? Some of you, that's all you've seen this whole service is a pillar. But for those of you who aren't sitting behind one, can you kind of look around? Do you see the prayers written on those pillars? Many of those prayers are specific callings that God has given specific people in our church. And so we've asked from the very beginning, when God provided the space for us, we said, God, we want the foundation of our church to be built on prayer. And it's our calling as a church to help this church discover and unleash the God-given callings that he's put on your life. And so on these pillars are written prayers, callings. God, will you allow me to? God, will you help me? God, I will follow you too. All over these. In fact, at the end of the service, I want to encourage you to go around and read them. But more than that, we've put pens at the bottom of every one of them. We want you to write Whatever calling, whatever big or small in your eyes calling may be, we want you to write on these pillars as an act of commitment to God, as an act of saying, God, I want to follow where you are leading. Written on these pillars and the foundation of this church are callings, like personal specific callings for people like Chrissy. This is an ordinary, everyday person like you and me, but there is a calling that God has uniquely given her and how God has uniquely wired her. She has a calling for kids. She loves children. She wants to lead children into a transforming relationship with Jesus. And so you, you know how she lives out part of that calling? She does it through some of her work and what she gets to do at work. She also does it here at church on Sunday. She's upstairs every Sunday morning at Soul City Kids. Leading and loving kids and leading a team that loves kids. It's not like she just likes kids or thinks they're cute. We all think they're cute at some level. She feels called by God to love and lead that generation. And so she's doing the best she can to follow that, whatever that may look like in this season. Written on the foundations of our church are people like my friend Sean. Successful business guy, kind of at the front half of his career, working hard, but Sean has a calling. Not only his sort of universal calling that to be a light at his work, he knows about that, and to you know, honor God with his time and his work, he knows all about that, but there's a specific calling that God has put in his life for this season right now for inner city youth. 
And so on top of his day job, what Sean does every summer is leads an inner city youth on the west side, inner city youth baseball team on the west side here in Chicago. He organizes all the teams and coaches and umpires and because he just feels compelled and called by God to love inner city boys, youth. And for many of these young guys, for many of them, Sean is the closest thing to a dad that they have. Now, it's not just because he likes baseball or the West Side. It's because he has a calling from God, a unique God-given vision matched with his God-driven gifts to meet a God-sized need. Our friends Jill and Jerry have a calling to help marriages start well. To help marriages start on the foundation of Jesus Christ. To help marriages last a lifetime. Now look, they have day jobs and priorities and all kinds of things where they're living out sort of their universal calling. But part of the unique calling that God has given their life is to help couples start well. And so they're leading, and many of you are part of our soulmates premarital class. First one we've ever done here at Soul City. It's just getting started this week. And it is a part of what God has created them to do to help you Start strong in your marriage and to last a lifetime. That's a specific calling that God has put in their life. And they're going to do it no matter what is going on in their life. They're going to find a way to work that calling out for the season. It's how God's wired them. I think of my friend Jerrica, who has a calling for college students is called and compelled to love and lead college students at that transitional, incredibly fundamental, important season of life to making decisions that will lead them closer and closer and closer to a life well lived with God. She's figuring out and working out how to specifically and uniquely out of who God has made her to be to do that in this city where hundreds and thousands of college students call home. I think my friend Mark successful businessman, kind of got that whole thing going on. Great dad, great father. But there's a calling that he has on his life right now to help men discover who God created them to be. And it comes out of his own story and the work that God's done in his life. And so there are a ton of guys in and around this church whose lives have been shaped and blessed because Mark has done whatever he can do to live out that calling as God enables him to do so. See, this is the foundation of our church. It's built on everyday, ordinary people like you and me asking God that all-important question, what do you want me to do with who you have created me to be? What do you want me to do, God, with who you've created me to be, big or small, for a long time or for right now, whatever it may mean, God, I want to listen and I want to obey I want to be a part. I want to align my life with what you want for me, God. Whatever that may look like. Whatever it may mean. And this comes, I think, to us in the middle of a culture and a time where our culture is desperately seeking for significance. We, we live in a world that really desperately wants some kind of purpose or meaning. Even the clothes that we buy or the hats or the shoes we buy have to have some purpose to them. 
They can't just be shoes anymore. These shoes have to do something. Because we long for purpose and meaning. We want to be a part of something greater than ourselves. That is a great thing. And as we talk about how God has all along the way created us to be a part of something that he's actually created us to do in this world, my fear is that we can talk about this and teach about this from God's word, which I told you we're going to get to in just a second. We can talk about this from God's word. And you can walk out here tonight And instead of feeling like, okay, I'm awakened, I'm stepping in to who God has created me to be and what he's created me to do, you can walk out these doors deflated and even defeated tonight because you just don't know what to do. You don't know how to do this sort of thing. Calling, that's like for like graduate level Christians. Like you have to have a diploma to do that kind of stuff. And I'm just trying to work it out day to day, week to week. And what a shame it would be for you to hear about this vision God has for your life, this purpose he longs to awaken in you, and for you to walk out these doors and go, I don't, I don't think that's me. I get that God has a universal calling for every one of us. I don't know if he has anything for me specifically. And so what I want to do is share a passage of scripture with you that honestly I think may speak into that what do I do with who God has created me to be when I don't know what to do. I don't know how to work it out. So I want us to look at a passage of scripture from the Old Testament. In fact, it's found in Jeremiah 29. So would you turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah 29? We're going to close with this thought. Jeremiah 29. In the Blue Bibles, it's page 545. As I was preparing for our time here together this weekend and studying God's word, looking at all these different kind of callings throughout the Bible, I felt like God kept bringing me back to this passage, and I didn't understand why. And I'll be really honest with you, it was frustrating at first. Because I would read this and go, God, that's like a different message. Like, save that for the next series or something, God. Like, I'm trying to talk on purpose. I thought we were, like, together on this one. And the more I sat with this, the more and more I began to sat with that tension that we all may feel of wanting to be a part of what God has created us to be a part of in this world, but not knowing what to do about it. The more I sat with that, the more I sat with this passage, the more I began to understand a little bit more, maybe what God wants to speak into your life tonight. About what do you do when you don't know what to do with who God's created you to be. And so this comes from Jeremiah 29, a famous passage, but we're going to actually read back ahead of that. We're going to go back to the sort of the start of the passage to verse 4. People of God were actually separated, divided. Some of them were at home in the city of Jerusalem, but many had been taken captive and were in exile in a city far away, a foreign land called Babylon. And they were far from what was familiar. Very far from an identity that they had once known. It felt as if God had forgotten them. Has anyone ever felt that before? And so here they are in Babylon, in exile. In an unfamiliar culture, longing to have the clarity that came from being home. And God said this to them, and maybe God is saying this to you tonight as we close. This is Jeremiah 29, verse 4. God speaking to the prophet Jeremiah says this. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those, and I want you to tell me what the next word is. Says to all those, I, very important, circle that. 
This is what the Lord God of Israel, that's their identity. They know that, the God of Israel. This is their God who they felt like had forgotten them. The Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says to all those, I carried into exile. That this is not just circumstance, that God actually had them there for a reason, a purpose that wasn't clear to them, but that was to God. God says, look, to all of those that I have carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, this is what he says to them. Build houses. Settle down. Plant gardens. Eat what they produce. God's being very specific here. But let's look at the message he's saying. You feel like you're in a foreign land. You feel like you're in a culture where everyone else is doing everything significant other than you. And we live in a culture today where all you have to do is just open up Facebook, open up Twitter, and you get to see how all your friends are living out their life purpose or at least making it look like it on Instagram. And you're left here going, does my life even matter? Does what I'm wrestling through and struggling through every day even count? Do they even notice? Does God even notice? Does anyone even care? And it feels as though you're living in exile because you don't know what to do with your life. And we live in a culture that is so fearful that we might miss what might be going on in the world, that we might miss an opportunity, that we might miss a calling. And God is saying, hold up, hold on. I haven't forgotten you, and you are not alone. I have you here for a reason. And even in what may feel like a foreign land to you, I want you to actually settle in and settle down. Build houses. Plant gardens. That means you're going to stay for a couple seasons and enjoy them. Moving on to verse 6, it's not just seasons. God speaks to generations. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Listen, even if it feels like you don't even know where you're supposed to be in this world, God says you be right here. An increase in number there. Do not decrease. Verse 7. Also, this is very important. Seek the peace and prosperity of the what? City. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, not you. Very important. Your needs are very important. God is fully aware of and capable of meeting every one of your needs. But when we are stuck and we're afraid we're missing it, all we see is ourselves. And God is saying, hold up, hold on. I have you here for a reason that's greater than yourselves. And you may not be able to see it by yourself. But here's what I want you to do to help you open your eyes so that you can see what I want you to see and be a part of what I long for you to be a part of. Pray for the place that God has you right now. Pray for this city. Pray for it. Pray for its peace. Pray that it prospers. Because when it prospers, you too will prosper. And maybe, just maybe, in a lack of clarity about what you're supposed to do and what your life's supposed to be about and where you're supposed to go and what it's supposed to look like, maybe what God is saying to you tonight is, it's okay. It's okay. In fact, I have you here for a reason. I have you here for a greater purpose than you can even see or know on your own. So be where I have you. Build houses. Plant gardens. Plant roots. And stay. Stay. 
If you're not sure about what to do or where to go, then you stay right where I have you and just see what happens when you are present where I have you, when you find the purpose for the place that I have you. This last week I was talking to some friends. I invite the band to come up right now. I just want to share this quick story and then we'll pray. I was talking to some friends who live here in the city and they're in that classic tension moment. For those of you who are married or have kids or you have friends who have, you know about this. They just had a baby recently and they're living in a one bedroom condo and like that bedroom doesn't even have a door and they're just going, man, it is tight in here. We are running out of room, but they love this neighborhood. They love this city and they love being a part of what God's doing here. But recently, to sort of add to the complexity of their reality, she got a job out in Naperville. And so every day, she's getting up at 5 in the morning, packing their new baby up, riding all the way out to Naperville. And after a couple weeks of doing this, they began to say, you know what, maybe like we're being idiots here. (laughs) Maybe we can make this thing a lot easier. Maybe we should just go and go out to the suburbs get a house, get a space that's closer to my work out there. They have these things out there. They're uh, green. They're called yards. We can have one of those. (laughs) Bedrooms with doors on them. Maybe we should go. And so they've been wrestling back and forth with it as a couple. And there's nothing wrong. I've lived in the suburbs my whole life. Nothing wrong with that at all. But for this story, they were really wrestling through. Is that what we're supposed to do with our life? Sort of go out there and do that thing. A couple weeks ago when we were teaching on what it means to awaken to the Holy Spirit and what it means to live our lives in step with the Holy Spirit. She came out of the service and met her husband in the lobby and he kind of looked her in the eyes. They just told me the story this last week. Looked her in the eyes and he said, I think I know how we're going to keep in step with the Holy Spirit in this next season. And she said, oh yeah, what? He goes, I think we're going to need to get used to the commute because we're going to stay in this neighborhood. And I think God has us here for a reason. Now, that's not the solution or the calling for every person, but I'm telling you, that sort of clarity wasn't this great mystery. It was just paying attention to what God was doing around them. And while the easy thing would have certainly been to go, and it's understandable, and there are times to go, there are times to move, for whatever reason, they felt like there was a calling greater than just sort of going with the flow of things. That God had them here in the city, this city, for a reason. And I'm not sure what the specific calling is that God has for your life. I know that there's a universal calling for every single one of us who calls ourselves a follower of Jesus, but that specific calling, I don't want that to remain a mystery. We don't want that to remain a mystery to you. We want you to live into who God has created you to be and to be about what he's created you to do. And so what we're going to do is ask a question to God together right now in prayer. And then at the end of our service, we're going to line up our staff and we're going to line up our prayer team here at the front of the auditorium. And it would be our privilege, our honestly part of our calling to pray for you that you would be able to hear and listen and obey whatever God has put in front of you, whatever it may be. That's what we're going to do. And so here's the prayer that I'm going to ask you to pray as we pray together and we're going to worship God together, receive our offering here a second. Prayer is very simple. It goes back to what we said a minute ago. Prayer is simply this. God, what are you calling me to do with who you've created me to be? very simple, but can lead to some greater things for our lives, greater purpose for our lives. 
You might want to write that down and have that be a prayer you start every day with or that you pray every day this week. Whatever it may look like, I, I don't know. All I know is our job as a church is to help you discover and then unleash and get behind the calling that God has for your life, whatever it may be. God, what would you have me do with who you've created me to be? As we pray that prayer, my hope is we will begin to see things differently and follow God more closely and actually live the life that God intends for us. So what we're going to do now is we're going to pray, we're going to worship, we're going to receive our offering. That's something we do every week here at Soul City Church. It's part of our response of gratitude to God. It's a discipline of joy that we give because we recognize God's goodness in our life. And as we give, we become more awakened to and more aware of God's goodness in our life. And so we give joyfully. Many of us give online, but we do it as part of our worship because that just seems like a right response to a good and generous God. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to actually encourage you to pray those words that we just said, and then we'll give, and then we'll sing together. So if you would, please close your eyes, and if that helps you, or to bow your head, or sort of get things out of your sort of distraction or whatever it may be. But we're going to ask this question right now together. And you ask it maybe in your own words or just use these exact words. God, what have you created me to do with who you've created me to be? God, what's the the thing that you want to work out in this season right now? However big or small, However long it may last, whatever it may be, God, what is it that you want to do with who you've created me to be? And God, I pray, I know that as we even ask that question, there may be fear in our hearts and our lives that think this is going to change things, or God, I don't know how to do this. I've never done this kind of thing before, but God, I know that you are not only with us, but you are for us, and this is actually what you've created us to do, God. to live a life that aligns with your will and your way in this world. God, what do you want to do through who you've created us to be? What do you want to do through this church, God, and who you've created us to be? God, I pray that you would fill us up with some sense of awareness, some sense of importance, God, that this is a word that you're speaking to us. And God, if it means that things are gonna start to change around us, then God, we wanna embrace that and say, you are the one leading us. God, if it means that we need to plant deeper roots here where we are, more specifically where you have us, then God, our response of worship to you is to stay and to be present with you where you have us. Whatever it is, God, I pray that you would awaken our souls to it right now that would not remain some great mystery, but that, God, we would be able to see more clearly what you have right in front of us, what you've gifted us to do, what you long for us to join with you in. Awaken our souls, God. Stir something into us. Speak to us even now as we respond and give and sing to you. In your name, by your power, amen.